This is Living with Miles. I'm Miles. Morning. <laughs> I got nothing. Look, if it's not going to work, I'm not going to use it. That's just right off the table right now. This is people's work lives, man. It's, it's the stuff that matters. Where did that come from? I am way on board. If you can inspire pride in other people, they'll follow you. Good morning, everybody. How's it going? It's been a few days, but I've had a hell of a weekend. It's been really, really interesting. I've been actually on the road and uh, working on a couple of projects. And one of the things that came up was I, I really needed to, to focus in and give my attention to a particular project that came up. And so I've been basically head down dedicating myself to that. And man, it feels good to do solid work again. But I, that brought something that I wanted to talk about. It also came up in a conversation with an interview I had on Thursday with one of my clients. And that was, there's, so there's a few ways to be successful or to be really great. I mean, there's natural talent in which you can be truly gifted at something and you happen to find your life in a position where you are able to make use of that talent and it just so happens to be done in such a way that can be either profitable or it can be sustainable and it's something that you can make a living out of. You can make it your life. You can make it what you want to do. To that end, maybe you need to invest in something else first. Like you, uh, there's this whole mo- movement for early retirement going on right now uh, among um, among the millennial generation that that says, you know, maybe if I if I live very very sparsely and I pinch every penny, I can retire really early and have like a 50 year retirement. I can retire by the time I'm 40. Well, you know, okay, that's a that's a cra- that's a you know, trying to retire before 40 is, is really, ins- honestly, it's, it's a bit nuts because so many factors can take effect and you don't get advantages and things of time. But what you could do is you could work toward that and then you could retire from whatever you did to make that money and then go focus on something that is something that you enjoy and then be less concerned about how much money you make off of it or do that and then make your make your life what you love. And from a guy who's done that, from a guy who's actually loved his career and loved all the things that he's done, let me tell you, it's it's amazing. It doesn't mean it's going to be without stress. It just means you get to do what you love and you get to have meaningful, productive work. But, you know, if, if you don't live in one of those situations where you're uh, maybe you don't have the skill or talent uh, natively or maybe you're not as bright as other people. I, you know, I worked in a company that dealt with the best and brightest in the industry and I am, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty bright guy, but these guys were we're talking just genius here. And so I I needed to, to compensate for that. I needed to make up for that in some way. And there is a way to do that. And it requires two elements, one of which we've talked about before, you know, consistency and fortitude. When we talk about staying with something, doing something and sticking with it, regular consistency, day in, day out, grinding through the difficulties, getting there little by little, gradual improvement and sticking with it throughout the entire the entire go. You know, this is something that is a life of consistent, regular grinding through the progress does really, really well to march you to higher states of being, but it's not sufficient. It's not the only thing you need. You also need attention and focus. And that's what I wanted to focus on today. Uh, Attention and focus has been a big a big theme for me lately. It came into mind as part of my study of Raja Yoga. And the attention, uh, there are two slightly different things. Attention leads to 
seeing detail. It leads to taking in more and more things. We as observing bodies take in, I think it was something like I read in some article, like 20,000 pieces of data a second into in through our eyes and through our, our ears and through our sensory organs. And we throw most of it out. We don't actually make use of most of it because we can't process all of it so thoroughly. But when we become attentive, when we begin to focus that attention and we begin to take in more and more detail and we pay more and more attention to something, then we begin to see more. We begin to, uh, to, to, to identify various elements that would have stood out for us. For example, the reading of a word. You can actually take in the entire word as one object, and your brain will interpret that as one object. You could break it down into individual letters and then do it that way. You could go back and look at the actual shape of each individual letter and the nuance of each, looking at how the font, the details in the font and the, the handling of it, if it's handwritten, the disproportion of the various things, whether it's written well, whether it's written legibly or whether it's not, what are the elements that make it confusing? What are the uneven elements? What are the even elements? Where do letters get broken or discon disconnected or where are things where letters are starting to look like other letters. There's there's a whole lot that can be done for just reading a word or reading a line. And the more you look at it, the more you focus in on it, the more you're going to see. You begin to see, like for example, the handwritten stuff, you begin to see the effect the ink has on the paper, how the paper bleeds. All of these things just become more and more you get to see more. And the reality is it actually comes into existence in your brain by focusing that attention, by paying attention, and by dialing that attention in and dedicating that attention to that subject. It leads to tremendous amounts of detail. It also leads to a much better memory. Because memory works with numbers of inputs. One of the factors on how things can be retentive is, is numbers of inputs. Because one of the things that happens in the brain is depending on how you process your input, you actually end up working with uh, uh, different parts of the brain, each col collaborating on establishing connections to this piece of data. For example... Here's, a, here's an example of this in a, in a mnemonic way. Now, I, I learned this from reading a 2,000-year-old manual on how to memorize things as a public orator in Rome. But the, one of the things that you, you learn and you talk about is, is introducing hand gestures with what's going on. So I bought a combination lock recently. And the combination for that lock will just say arbitrarily uh, 33, 39, 17. We'll just go with that. And so here I am sitting in the car taking these numbers, 33, 39, 17. Now I can say it. I can look at it because it's you know written on the back of the lock. So I've got looking at it and I'm reading it. And that processes the the optical nerve, the, the various sensations that are required to interpret shape into number, number into object, object into memory and data. Second, I'm saying it out loud. So now I'm using both my voice to articulate, which is a different part of the brain that actually drives the speaking component. Another part of the brain is hearing the letters come back to me still. So now we've got three parts of the brain all working to remember these words. 
The next one, writing it down because mechanically writing something down, again, engages an entirely different part of the brain. It's an entirely different process of going through the process of writing these things down. So 33, 39, 17. So we can go back and, and repeat that. Then I would actually went through and I started counting the number values on my fingers. So on one hand, I would do one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, one, two, three, oops, uh, one, and then what was it? Seven, yeah, 17. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So I would do that. Then I started counting, uh, you know, on, on one hand, I would count uh, one number and on the other hand, I would count the other number. So on one hand, I'm one, two, three, and the other hand, I'm one, two, three. So there's my 33. Then one, two, three, and then one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And then the other one is one, and then one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. You do this for a couple of minutes. Notice how many factors I'm bringing in. I'm actually including counting now. I'm including the physical manipulation of that. I'm, I'm including the shape and configuration of my hands and using them as tallies. All of this is just to get more brain, con more brain connections all working. And this uh, are all aids to memory. Now, imagine when you pay attention, you know, I was talking about the way letters shape on a page and all of the, all of the ways that they shape and all of the, the, you know, the ink bleeding through and all the rest of it. These are all, again, different layers of attention, different things that give me the opportunity to see things and to take them into account. So if you want to remember anything, if you want to remember somebody's face, if you want to remember a a building, if you want to remember something really well, you want to implant it into your memory, pay attention to it and then spend time describing it. One of the exercises that was given in, uh, there, there's a number of exercises, snipers go through a training like this, but there was another one in, given in the Raja Yoga case where two friends would walk by a shop window and then they'd walk around the corner and compare notes about what was in the shop window. And after a while, they got really good at being able to recall in just a glance everything that was in the shop window. And this is just training attention, training observation, but it does require practice and it requires a, a great deal of, of attentiveness. And then comes focus. Now, focus is a discipline like any other but it's a discipline that gives gains. I mean, really, when it's going to be effective, you know, I want to talk about effective ways of doing this stuff. So effective ways is to to actually put your focus and you know, paying attention is one thing. Paying attention and avoiding distractions is another. This is this is one of those cases where we're we're dialing in our attentiveness to one subject at a time, to one object. At a time and giving ourselves over to this one object of focus actually is where we will begin to see uh we'll begin to see the benefits because focus is not about repetition it's not about doing the same thing over and over again it's not about about doing uh you know going through the motions i i walk a treadmill i don't focus on my walk and maybe i should i actually spend my time watching netflix while i'm on the treadmill because i'm just trying to grind through the hour but the but that means that i'm not getting the full benefit of that that i could be focus where i'm dialed in to the exact thing that i'm doing this t is about paying attention it's about attention and the the more that we can give to our focus and the more that we can focus on the thing that we're paying attention to, the more benefit it's going to give us. 
again from my workout. I learned recently that there's a change in the way that I do squats, and this is only because the weights that I'm working with are front loaded. They're on on the front of my body carriage, and as I as I come down, the weight is carried on the forward part of my feet. I actually had to change the way that I squat so that I have more of a sitting motion than I do a a uh, forward motion in order to get the balance put into the heels more toward the heels of my foot instead of to my feet. Now this was a case of just focusing, of being focused on every aspect of the motion, on paying attention to each detail and and not letting myself get distracted. When I'm working with the weight, I don't want to hurt myself. I've already done that. So I don't work with a headset in. I don't work with anything that can distract me from what I'm doing. I pay attention to my form. I pay attention to what I'm doing and I do it and I make it happen. And this is true for everything. And what I needed to do over the last four days was I really needed to focus on the project that I was working on and I needed to give it all of my attention. And so here I'm able to, it, it, it netted out tremendous benefits to me. I, I ended up being able to see things in entirely different ways because I gave them the attention, because I gave it the focus and I gave it the, the, I gave it the dedication that I needed to in order to see what I needed to see. This is why I like journaling. One of the things that I really like about journaling is journaling for the period of time that I'm writing, I am giving a lot of focus to that subject and that exploration because the way that I journal, I explore things, I explore ideas, I explore concepts, much like this podcast. And so I'll dial into that and I'll be specific with it. Now, the the reason why I dial on these, because consistency and fortitude blended together with attention and focus are tools that can make up for genius. They can make up for any lack in intelligence, skill, knowledge, or talent that you might be missing and will do so more and more over time. It's not fake it till you make it. It's give it the proper focus and attention so that you can tap in and build the skill set that you're missing as quickly as possible. Because often skill and experience will make up for raw talent and will exceed it over time. So that's going to wrap it up for me today. I'll see you out on the Facebook at Living With Miles. And hey, if you want to subscribe to the podcast, best place to do that is on iTunes at Living With Miles. And I will catch you guys later.